homies, welcome to a special interview of the week. This week I have with me Narch211. Narch211 is a contributor at Olympus Dow. I believe you're also a contributor at Jones Dow and a all-round crypto entrepreneur slash macro <laughs> enjoyer. Does that capture you? I'm the enjoyer. That's right. <laughs> Good to chat with you, man. Yeah. Let's get started. So I just wanted to, we've worked together, obviously. We um, have. Everyone would have seen. Uh, we did some work on marketing, Nutch helped out like incubator marketing, and then also like did some due diligence stuff over there. But yeah, obviously people would have seen you on like holding AMAs and sort of making tweets and retweeting stuff and doing all-round marketing and strategy vision type of stuff maybe you can take us back well <laughs> we might <laughs> maybe it'd be better to start with your background um, sure because you're from the kind of trading macro world um with like a kind of finance back that's like surprisingly not that common um, in DeFi, there's just like a whole bunch of people like scientists and engineers and lawyers and stuff, but like a surprising amount like of people haven't come from that finance background and it's most, yeah, like all VCs, obviously. Maybe you can tell us a, like a little bit about your background, Nudge. Yeah, sure. So I, I lead a double life, right? Uh, I've spent about, it'll age me, but that's okay. I've spent about 13 years almost 14 years in traditional markets. I've been working in uh, banking, finance uh, my whole life. So for years, I have worked with plenty of folks that you know, plenty of folks that, I mean, not maybe you personally know, but like you've heard of. I've had a number of roles, um, you know, throughout finance and then COVID happened and uh, had a baby and uh kind of sitting at home <laughs> and then i said well you know let's uh, you know let's check out this whole crypto thing and i just had never really touched it before obviously I've watched it from the sidelines but it just never really was something that i kind of followed so what was it like uh you were just really like reading up and you're like oh there's this DeFi stuff like when when did you sort of get into yeah. it like what around I what think time I think to the most of the world, when they think about crypto, they think about Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. when you think about Bitcoin, you're like, "Wow, well, this is you know, you five minutes of research into it, you're like, this is really not. I mean, this is very clunky, right? This feels more like gold than anything else, right? It's expensive to get, quote unquote, out of the ground, right? Limited uses, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of thing. But that's a good analogy. It's tough, right? You know, but the advantage of it is, is that you stick a ledger in your wallet, get on a plane, go somewhere on the other side of the world, and you have your money with you. Um, yeah, you can't do that with gold. I mean, you can take a certain amount of money in coins, but there, there are certain countries I wouldn't want to go through customs with uh, gold coins in my pocket. Uh, I get worried about going through customs with like my mobile, right? Don't want to like dox my security. Like if you have a mobile wallet, like, and you have even some amount on there yeah. it's like a bit like well what if i went yeah. through like shanghai or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah well one thing i recommend everybody does this is just like some opsec is um turn facial recognition off on your phone 
Yeah, it's so dumb. It's so easy. Turn that off. It's just like boom, right? You know, <laughs> hold your oh. hold your hands and like, yeah, you know, like if they hold the phone up to your face, <laughs> you know, it unlocks. <laughs> if they ask you for your password and you say no, you can just enter the wrong password a billion times and then they'll get like a wrench. I mean, they gotta um, really want it, you know. <laughs> but turn it off. You don't need that. But I mean, the, yeah. the point I was making, I guess, is that. I started to learn more about DeFi and I said, okay, these are the things that I wish we could do in traditional finance that we just can't because the rules of, you know, the rules of the game have been set for longer than I've been alive. And in DeFi, the rules are being made. And so there's this sea of creativity and opportunity that you just can't find anywhere else. And then you start to see the more and more you go into it, where things are kind of headed in the world and even just on chain and what's going on. And I think we are headed for a precipice in the world with a lot of events going on. And I think that crypto is going to be a big part of how we get out of it, but we can talk more about it. So you're an optimist. Uh, I like to think I'm a mixture of an optimist and a realist. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't very consistent with how I think. No, no, no. I mean, look, at the end of the day, that form of exchange has changed a lot. Yeah. And the dollar has been the de facto exchange, you know, point for all people in the world because of oil uh, for a very long time. And it's, I think, been the reserve currency yeah. for longer. I remember looking at this and there was this cool visual chart and it said the dollar has been the de facto currency for longer than any other currency in history or close to it. Maybe it wasn't the longest, mm. but it was very close you know, outside of just pure gold. But then you think about, well, who was listing the gold, right? Who was kind of coining it, so to speak. So, uh, but anyway, long and short, found Olympus because, oh, currency, interesting. And, was Olympus, uh, <laughs> so Olympus was kind of the first thing you really got stuck into. It, it was literally the second thing I ever bought. I will tell you the first. because <laughs> And you have to buy ETH, sir. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess okay. That's fair. Okay, so it was the third thing, but I will I will not admit the first thing I bought because it was just... oh Dogecoin. No, it wasn't Doge. No, no, it was. Um, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. I, I got a buddy of mine told me to buy something called Hex, and I was like, okay. You bought Hex? I oh, bought Hex. I swear to God, I bought Hex. <laughs> you love your Ponzi. <laughs> you know what it is. You know what it was. Honestly, I bought the founder. I didn't. You know, well, me, I mean, it's still going, right? Like, it, not only is it still going, but Pulse Chain's coming out. I was actually having an interesting conversation with Core about that. What? What is? Wait, what's Pulse Chain? Is it their chain? So they're forking ETH, and when I mean they're forking oh, ETH, yeah. I don't mean that they're just forking like the contracts. I mean they're literally forking the wallets. So you're going to be able to log in to Pulse oh, Chain, and you're going to have a copy of all your Olympus. <laughs> presuming they bring that over on there and it's going to be up That's to market crazy. makers and Olympus and others what to try do, and decide yeah. what, yeah, I mean, is what's going to happen. So it's going to be very interesting social experiment. Like Bitcoin cash. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, All right, cool. cool. So you like got some Olympus. You were like, I get this. I get, I get what's going on. Like this could be big. Well, I thought Zeus was a pretty smart guy. You know, he is. You know, I listened to some of his stuff and I thought he was pretty interesting. And one thing I noticed, it was funny, is one thing I noticed is when I first joined, I said, okay, well, I have, this is a huge DAO. Like, I don't know what I can do here. So I think J Man at the time was the guy running marketing. And I said, hey, J Man, he's moved on to Concave now. So check him out. Um, yeah. He, so he says, like, hey, Notch, uh, 
you know, I see you applied, like, what's your background? So I told him, he said, okay, well, what do you think you can do? I said, well, I can't, I can't make graphics. I can't do design work. Like <laughs> I said, but if you give me something that's difficult to unpack or that's finance related, I can take it and make it simple. And I've got all this other experience working in all these other things that I think could be helpful. I mm-hmm. figured, well, you know, I'll give him a few hours a week of my time. It'll be fun. I'll make a little extra home. <laughs> well. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Down the went. rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing I know, it's like this life-changing kind of career trajectory change, you know. So. Yeah. And then I left and then you brought me back and uh, joined Incubator. <laughs> the rest is, I guess, history. Sort of. I don't yeah. know. Things keep changing in the Dow. The Dow is like moving a mile a minute now. So it's 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 wild. Really Do you is. think about what would have happened if you didn't come back? So for context, Notch and Jaws were like having a little bit of an <laughs> argument about something. And then Notch was like, oh, I can't do this. I, I can't, I can't work like this. <laughs> But then I explain that like Jaws is our hype man, and he's he's got a, his own way of we actually doing things out. and communicating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I just think you got to like kind of have like a bit of context to understand like Jaws and like why he's like very valuable just to the team, and like he's just got a different way of sort of going about things, which can kind. Of, and he speaks. I think he speaks too plainly, right? <laughs> For someone who's people see as yeah, that was, that was the one hundred and one course in working in DeFi is it's not like TradFi. <laughs> no, no one, everyone, every, people think you're wrong. They'll tell you right. They're not gonna sugarcoat it. Well, actually, there's also too much sugarcoating as well. Sometimes, right? yeah, so, sometimes. What do you mean? Um, I don't have my title to protect me from strong opinions. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think about like what would have been, or is it just kind of like? You know, you um, probably found something else to work. I'll be on. honest with you; I probably wouldn't have continued in DeFi. I, I probably would have considered it an experiment that I just, just kind of, you know, I would have kept investing though because I caught the bug. But yeah, uh, I just uh, probably wouldn't have done it. But I will say that I think that at the end of the day, you know, and and you know, again, Olympus is changing, and there are things going on there that you know maybe I'm gonna be doing some other stuff and helping out every now and then. But I do feel like I will have left it if there is, you know, change there better than where I found it. And I think that's, that's important. And um, I've also got, you know, I think a better understanding of how large DAOs operate. Well, I mean, really the largest DAO. So you can kind of take the good and the bad and kind of figure it out because no one's ever done this before. I mean, this is a huge experiment, right? Like no, no one has really done anything like this before. And so you learn all the growing pains and all the, the wins and the losses and you try and kind of come out the other side, just really learning. That's, yeah. I've always tried to learn any of my experiences. Yeah. It's all kind of very greenfield. And it's like people like, oh, we want people who have experience like working in DeFi projects and we want this and we want that. And it's like, do you realize this? Like (laughs) DeFi is like two years old. There's no, like everyone's already, everyone's already working on something, right? Like there's just not that many. I I was actually surprised like that I could add value just like you when I started. And I was like, you've got a very unique background for DeFi. I mean, 
like working with you, I, I mean, I, I'm surprised more people from your field are not drawn to this because there's just such a need for that, just for clarity in negotiation and tone and, and the ability to not dig yourself a hole legally. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very important. So Yeah. Well, I think like the kind of drafting agreements is or proposals. And you can tell when you read a proposal, and there'll be super competent people drafting it, but then it just won't cover the actual specifics of the mechanism for how it's going to like operate. And then like it can lead to like so much confusion, which is the same as, you know, if you're drafting a like legal settlement <laughs> and yeah. you like don't explain how everything's going to exactly operate, it can lead to super bad outcomes. And just people, like, even if both parties come into it with, like, good intentions, you're always going to read it to your benefit, right? Like, Mm -hmm. your mind will always, like, make optimal assumptions about the language, about how it's going to affect you. And you can both think that you're getting a really good deal and have the same words, but depending on what background you're coming from, like, what you're getting out of it, you'll read it differently. And that's not, like... A critical thing or like a negative i'm not like criticizing people being saying they're malicious it's just like naturally what happens especially you think about the the skill set of people that tend to join DeFi, right it's it's a lot of folks that are younger right which is not necessarily a bad thing because younger people i think are very creative but also they tend to lack some of the hard skills and so what you know sometimes when you lack some of those hard skills, it's good to have folks in the room who they can give sage advice in important areas in business and really, really just having this like diversified team of, of brains. I, I, that was, I think that was my favorite part of working with Incubator. It was just that it was just such a good, diverse group of experience. I remember, I think it was, it might've been Wolomai that put it together where it was just a snapshot of everybody's background in the room. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was great. I mean, I, I wanted to like make an NFT out of it. It was so cool. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was a cool group. But yeah, I mean, I think kind of slimming down and focusing more on full time sort of commitments it will like it'll make it lean and it'll make it a bit more ex- like not only saying it's exclusive, but like if you're a contributor, like there's you know however many <laughs> hundreds of people who have Olympus contributor in their like bio on twitter or whatever (laughs) it it will actually mean like you know which can mean oh i like made a graphic and they used it or it can mean like i run the whole like marketing department or like the treasury team like there's such a the reason you want to work somewhere can be like social credibility as well as like the compensation obviously and like i think it'll help a lot with like people's relationships so if you're one of the few there's like fewer people who are doing like more of the work mm-hmm. then those people's relationships will allow things to like flow more easily because like i think you know if you message zeus about something and he's got like you know 150 people from the dow who are saying this is important for the dow respond to my message he just can't do it right like <laughs> You worked directly with Zeus a few times, though. In yeah, marketing. I did. Yeah, I did. I I think it was like, um, so it was. I, I really had never met anybody at the 
DAO on a bigger level, like as far as just any of like the the core team. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, marketing was going through restructure. Plus, it was the holidays; everybody was on vacation, but my wife had COVID, and so we were just sitting around doing nothing. And this was right around the time when V two happened, and um, oh, I, man. Just, I just yeah, <laughs> what I know. A time. <laughs> so it was like two weeks of like voice chats, like all through the night, and that's how I met Shreddy because I was like, "Hey, Shreddy, like." you're online. <laughs> Can you help? <laughs> and Shreddy was like, okay. And so like, that's literally how I met Shreddy. Like, I think Shreddy was like, he was like part-time and doing some stuff and, you know, God bless him for, <laughs> for, for raising his hand. I don't know where we'd be without him, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's just kind of how it all started. And then I, I just ended up kind of meeting everybody at the Dow and, I I got I got really lucky though because I think I ended up in a position where I was contributing in one space, but I was able to help influence things all over the place. And I think that's one really important thing about being a part time versus a full time contributor is that when you're full time and you see more of the business going on in the different parts of the DAO, you're able to have a better perspective of kind of the broader plan for folks that maybe are siloed a bit more. And so it takes away some of those um, barriers, those information barriers, where you can just kind of have these conversations cross line of business or cross, you know, uh, product at the time. And you can have that intention, right? Because you like in your own work, I think it just creates so much bigger efficiencies having. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, A couple of people worried about it. Um, So there's the, maybe I'll give it like a bit of a, background so we've got the council now the proposals passed and they're in charge of kind of guiding the Dell the Jedi Council the Jedi Council <laughs> um and I think so the idea is that where we can get sort of professional outside help we should be getting that just because like Dow contributors are good for specific parts of the business, but as we're maturing, we should use like mature services that are available. And I think there's marketing and strategy firm that they're engaged with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's now lawyers and like we're a serious protocol with a serious product. Yeah. And it's time to kind of focus more on that. And, you know, we've, built lots of great things with like this huge DAO and it's been a great experiment, but um, in order to like execute quickly, you need to coordinate fewer people. And the best way to do that is to keep like the core functions and sort of spin out everything else you can. So um, Agora will be spinning out um, into its own project and we're sort of chatting internally about, um, maybe we'll like apply for a grant or um, something or like have an NFT drop uh, m- mint or whatever. However, we're going to keep the lights on at Agora, but it doesn't <laughs> make sense for Agora to be kind of, you know, in the DAO server, like clogging up, like there's a maximum of like 200 channels and like yeah. <laughs> they always have to like be deleting stuff, like just cause there's so much going on. So you also do some work for Jones? Do yeah, Is I that... met them through Incubator. Yeah, so was... yeah, that's the other cool thing about Incubator. You're like all the new projects. You get to like meet them and see what's yeah. going on, like behind the curtain before they launch, and get to know the team and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, the story with them is is actually 
it's it's a story of exactly like why DeFi is you know I think superior. needing well superior, oh. but also needing more folks with just kind of traditional backgrounds, right? Where um, we were going through the launch with them, they had this like crazy launch. It was super successful. It was like oversubscribed to the point where they actually had to like do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, I was talking to Ice Cream, who Froyo friend on Twitter. He's incredibly smart guy. Yeah, I love, and, love him. And Ultra, and I said, hey, you know, I can probably help you with some of your docs because I was reading them, and I think I can help you with a few things. I said, yeah, sure, you know, we'd love to have you. And I said, okay. So I started doing a few things here and there, and they said, hey, can you help me? Can you us with this? Can you us with that? I said, yeah, I can probably help you guys out. And it just, <laughs> yeah, honestly, it started off kind of more like a friendship. Um, and uh, I just I just really enjoyed working with these guys. And then... Um, they hustled, I, didn't they? yeah. I, They've got I, this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how they, they I don't know how they did what they did, what, how fast they did it, but they, it was they like did a month it. Or something, yeah. I, I'm pretty, so Ultra is the, the co-founder and lead dev. I, I don't know how he functioned as a human being, but he's like a machine. He's a ro- I think he's, a, he might not be fully like human. There might be a uh, part AI, of him. Yeah. It might GPT. be. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just, he's like, um, <laughs> I've never met anybody who needs that little sleep to be that high functioning ever. Mm. Um, he's, he's incredible. Cool. Yeah. So Jones, do you want to tell us a little bit about Jones? Maybe this would be Ooh, a, a shill. side, side path before we get back sure. and talk. We're going to yeah. talk about macro. That's yeah. the purpose of the episode. Well, at least how yeah, is right? build to notch. So basically Jones is, I think it's it, it fills an interesting gap in, in DeFi because you have things like Ribbon. Let's say you have a, a protocol that's kind of like a market maker, right? And so their role is to kind of put money inside and then they have their other things that they do with institutions and they have like this bidding process and then they have vaults. Their vaults are basically kind of selling in the monies or out of the monies rather uh, and kind of collecting a little bit of premium and you know those are weeklies and then they take a small fee but one thing that they they didn't really have is they didn't really have this i don't think anybody still really has this is like real strategy for a particular deposit so let's say you have something like eth and you know going into it that you know you want to kind of have a little bit of upside but you want to protect against the downside but also at the same time well what if you know there's some god candle or what if something crazy happens you want to participate so the existing products out there didn't really do that these guys partnered with dopex effectively they built on top of dopex i shouldn't say partnered but there's a very close working relationship there to kind of build something where they could say okay you take your deposits you put them in the vault and then Jonesies will, we call them Jonesies when they deposit, right? So like Jonesies, the whole purpose of it is they'll deposit into the vault and then that vault will try and, you know, not, you know, it's not trying to hit home runs. It's singles and bunts for Americans out there, but just trying to do something sustainable. And then there's also this kind of LP component where when you have your deposits and then you have your kind of LP component where you get this receipt asset called a J asset, which you then uh, should be staking into this kind of LP. Uh, and then you earn your Jones tokens. And then, of course, you can stake that. And you get this really nice yield profile, not financial advice. 
But mm-hmm. what's interesting about it is that we found that it, it, it unlocks something that people find very complicated, like options, because that's really what this is kind of a protocol built around, uh, and makes it accessible for folks that don't know Greeks and don't feel comfortable with this kind of work. Or conversely, don't feel like it's putting in the time and energy to do it themselves. Yeah. Somebody like me, like, you know, I work a lot. I have a family, you know, I mean, yeah, this is like my, my work, obviously. Uh, but uh, if I was not in DeFi, but I wanted to be in DeFi, I would think about something like this hmm. because it gives me my time back. That's Jones. So, yeah, maybe we can quickly go through Dopex. So Dopex, they, do, do, do they decide the monthlies and they have weeklies now mm-hmm. as well? Yeah, they, they do. So they, they do. decide the strikes and calls? Mm-hmm. Am I, is that? Yeah, so and then they, they say you deposit in. Yeah, so for and, now they do it, but yeah. what's going to happen is they're switching to a VE model called VEDPX. And so what will happen is uh, VEDPX people will be able to incentivize and vote on where the strike should be. If there's rewards from DOPEX for putting uh, deposits into those vaults, who will be getting said rewards? Uh, and at what you know gauge, I assume? We ha- I haven't seen everything yet, and obviously it's up to them to share it. But you know, then also even thinking about what assets should be listed next, right? So they've got a pretty good list right now, um, but it the plan is, I'm sure, to grow it. And then really, I think the big unlock is going to be with V3, which is coming out this epoch. So they run on epochs. Um, so I think that this epoch ends, uh, the recording is the 21st. So on the 25th, I believe, is the close of the epoch. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to get in and out of vaults at any time. So right now, when you're in a vault in Dopex, you're locked up. With Jones, you could kind of leave whenever you want, right? I mean, you get a receipt token called a J asset, and then if you want to leave you can just sell your j asset for the same value as your underlying plus or minus whatever the performance of the vault would be because if the vault's doing better then the j assets technically worth a little more and the market arbs that um and yeah you just uh can get out but now you'll actually be able to get in and out which means that the strategies in the jones vaults will be able to be dynamic as well meaning mm. that they'll be able to be much more dynamic and i can tell you just because i'm in the strategy sessions that we do, which are incredible, that it, it means that the it's less about predicting for the entire month, which is very hard, uh, and more about kind of just being able to size and get in and get out. That's one of the big difference between Dopex and, let's say, American-style options. So you have European-style options, and then you have American-style options. I think most people, when they think about options, they think, oh, I buy an option, but I can sell it. <laughs> That's, Unless there's know, a market for it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, V3 is going to make it very interesting. But really the big unlock is Atlantics. And, um, so what are Atlantics? Maybe you can tell us about that. <laughs> or is it, is it, are they super complicated? They're super. They're su- not only are they super complicated, but really think that <laughs> this is... Well, I mean, we talk about the walls with mm-hmm. what you know, Zeus's paper and writing. And then, you know, you had Joey from uh, Faye talk about this. And then, you know, we had a failed experiment in it recently with Ichi. And so obviously Zeus well, came just out. To, just to clear up, Ichi was, <laughs> they they had like a insane mm, protocol yeah. owned borrowing. It's yeah. a, so, so it, it, 
it was like in the same realm, but it was yeah. executed very poorly. And and, and that's that's the key, right? Is it in in Zeus? I remember reading a tweet from him. Someone asked that question. They said, "So you're doing it, but Ichi just did it and failed. What's the difference?" And he just said, "Well, here's all the differences, and this is why we're <laughs> going to succeed." At, think of Atlantis as a similar similar way to achieve a wall. So what Atlantics are, and I, I think it's, it's a cute name too, because it's kind of like the bridge between American and European style options. But so, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about less what it means for maybe the individual, but more what it means for protocols, which is where I really think it gets kind of, kind of nerdy, but also kind of like really sexy. So yep. let's do it. <laughs> let's say, let's pretend Omen's is going to do this. Okay. So let's say Zeus is going to do this. So let's say he wants to protect token price. Okay. And so obviously we have a lot of stables, in our treasury, and they're used for liquidity, but we still have stables right, in our treasury as well. One of the big problems with any any option is that when you kind of lock up your token, right? So let's say you are locking up your collateral. It's being held, but it's not able to be used, right? So if you are going to be doing something with ETH and you've got to collateralize it, it's just stuck. It's sitting there in case you get liquidated, or sorry, in case you you know <laughs> end up uh, up upside down on your trade. So what this does instead is it allows you to borrow on that kind of collateral, which is very interesting. So if you're a protocol and you have stables and you sell Atlantic puts at a strike, let's say where you say you know what, so a put is put is like I will buy it at this price, or I will sell it. At so a put is basically. Think about it as insurance. Okay, so if you buy a put, you're buying price insurance. You're saying I want to own Ohm at this price. Okay. And, you, yep. and you're gonna pay a fee such that if it goes to that price, hey, you get to buy it at the price you want to buy it. But if it never goes there, you lose your premium. But hey, you get to sleep at night, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how this goes. But mm-hmm. let's, so let's say you're you're Zeus and you want to do this and you say, Okay, I wanna go ahead and I wanna I want to I, I want to pick a price that I think is the right valuation for Ohm, which is actually kind of an interesting thought experiment as well, because we all have our thoughts on what Ohm should really be worth. I, mean, I think it's very interesting and what premium it should trade. At. I do think it should trade at a premium, uh, and I, I think that's an uncontroversial thing to say, also. But I do want to say that. And so let's say that you know he decides, okay, I want to kind of protect at this price, and so the protocol can do that, and you know token holders, so like people that regularly have the token can take the other side, say, you know what? Yeah, okay, I want to buy that insurance price. I want to buy the token at this price. So the protocol is selling at that strike. The token holders are going to buy the insurance. Now, if there's no dip, we never get there, then the protocol is going to get all those fees. We talked about the fees just now. Um, Mm -hmm. But if there's a dip, now you've got OMIs, you've got other treasuries maybe who are let's say aligned treasuries that want to help protect their mutual interests which is where i mm-hmm. think the game theory really gets interesting especially if you have ohm in everybody's treasury you see where i'm going with this where they could say you know what yeah we want to protect that price because we want to protect our own interests and they will effectively backstop that price and by the way which i think is really cool if there's enough of a put there, and then this is, this would be all on chain. Let's say that you take out a loan. I know loans are, you know, and leverage is scary and bad and things like that. But let's we pretend. We don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's pretend that you have like something on. I mean, Abracadabra is the first one that came to my mind. Apologies, but um, that's all right. The way that that works is it's basically MIM token is effectively like 
you know, it's it's all the debt that is promised, and they own the collateral. So it's you know, say what you will about it, like the, <laughs> they are getting their money. So mm-hmm. if your token's collateral, this will allow you to have what would effectively be a form of liquidation-free borrowing for your holders if that, I'll call it a wall, holds up, which we know it will because that's how options work. So it's another way of doing, I think, what what Zeus is going to do. He's doing it in a different way. Yeah. But if you think about that, not every treasury is is as big as Olympus. I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> no one has this kind of money. So this allows for some really interesting backstops in things like, let's say, Ethereum, where there is no treasury. Everybody owns it. There's no treasury. There's a ton of options out there on chain. I mean, what if a bunch of whales just got together and said, you know what? Like, we don't want the price of Ethereum to go below this level. Yeah. So I think it unlocks some really interesting stuff for DeFi, and that, that's. That's kind of where I see Atlantics being the big value add. All of that was too complicated. Of course, there'll be a Jones vault for it, right? Where you can participate <laughs> in it. You know, I mean, of course, right? Why wouldn't there yeah. be? Yeah. So you get, you know, so, fun. Yeah, I see Tetranode posting about this, like, a lot mm. and saying that... He's got a couple ETH. He's got a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he he's saying that, like, the... He was saying, essentially, the price of CVX will be controlled by these... Yeah. Options, right? He's probably not wrong. I mean, if you think about traditional finance, the options market and the volatility index is really the barometer to see what's going on and where prices are moving. People look at futures, people trade Mm -hmm. like that, you know, everything is about futures and commodities. You're constantly battling between just kind of suppliers and and folks trying to get liquidity early for future future supplies and future deliveries and dealing with supply chains. And so everything is options. As DeFi matures more and more and more, options are quite literally the way that you get from A to B. It has to happen because that's, you're starting to deal with the magnitude of, 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 of dollars where to be able to protect and operate would require so much so much money and so much attention that mm-hmm. options protocols are just it has it, it's it has to happen and dopex happens to be the biggest yeah. centralized one well yeah this is so what i thought when they had uniswap and like sushi swap to begin with I was like, oh, okay, well, actually, there's going to be this new primitive and it's these X times Y equals K pools and they are like trade across the entire range. And eventually these pools will just be like billions of dollars of ETH and like USDC or DAI. Then we're going to solve some of these problems about market manipulation and derivatives and whatnot. But then uh, Uniswap V3 comes out and we're just back to like sort of very tight mm-hmm. range orders because it's much more efficient, right? And the traders, the people supplying the LP, they just want fees. They're not interested yeah. in some <laughs> altruistic um, stop the market manipulators. So, so we kind of come back to this and then no one's really going to support the price. Yeah. No one's going to support the price unless they're getting paid to do it, right? So, and you're not being paid to do it if you're across the entire range because the market can move suddenly and then essentially you just get value extracted from you. And that's the walls, right? So 
going busting through the upside or the downside, what you're doing is protecting either like selling the treasury home for too cheaply when it's like on the upside or exposing like or our stable coins to the downside. And then it just lets the market yeah. decide on what the price is outside of the ranges before it redeploys, right? So, which which then removes leverage, generalized leverage as a solution, right? Because no one's going to <laughs> provide you leverage when the price can move huge amounts in a yeah, single Yeah, I think the risk is arbitrage, but that's, I, I you know, that's one that, the treasury can control, right? So then they can put the ARB in their favor. And so it's uh, something that's probably going to be, I would imagine, probably going to be partially automated. I haven't I haven't seen the spec yeah. on um, on these smart contracts, but I would imagine part of it's going to be automated. I mean, the, the treasury guys are very talented in what they're doing. I, I would argue that this is going to sound cliche, but like one reason to actually consider investing in OM, in my opinion, is actually for the tech. They're doing some things that have not... They're, they're, they're innovating in ways that I think there's very few teams that have kind of thought of and are kind of pulling the strings of what's possible in DeFi uh, in a different way than others are. And I really think that's being slept on in a big way. Yeah, No one else is even thinking about trying. No, right? no, because like, it's, it's, it's like theoretical whole... for most people because they'll never get to a point where yeah. you'll be able to deploy this. But, yeah. you know, obviously th- this is the case. And between that and Mint and Sync, and it's just, there's so many things, you know, people forget, you know, in the Ohm Fork season. I, I always I always go back to this, and I thought this was funny. I, I think one of the guys was Fox, that was one of the original creators of the website. And it might have been a few others. He, he's actually with Jones, but he's uh, also with Ohm <laughs> Um But um, I hope I got that right. But whoever designed the website in the first place, I would say not only did they fork the you know the code, but I mean, gosh, the website was just so darn user friendly. It was just so simple. So yeah. you went in there; it was obvious what you had to do. What you were seeing was very simple and very easy. And then they said, you know what? Let's you know, then we're going to add the bridge. And then other people started to add the bridge. And then they started to say, okay, we're going to do a treasury dashboard. And it's like, well, that's not so easily replicatable because there's a lot that goes into that. And maybe we don't have a big treasury. And it's like, well, now we're going to do these walls and then mint and sink and then inverse bonding. And it's like, you cannot fork this anymore. This is a unique product. And it always was. People just didn't realize that when they bought it. Now they realize it, I hope. Yeah, John Wu, who's (laughs) like, um, he's at Aztec now, when like the price was like getting dumped on, people were like, "Hey man, why did you post about this?" And he's like, "You guys still yeah. don't get it, right? Yeah. Like the whole time, the whole purpose is if it trades above backing, it's pretty much inevitable, right? But now, which it was at the beginning, but now they have a like four hundred million dollar or like four hundred fifty million dollar treasury yeah. <laughs> to to like." you know, ensure that yeah. it happens. It's well, it's like, and you might not make it like there probably are better bets out there, um, um, you know, but in terms of, I mean, like hmm, I take that back. There's probably better. There's probably let's steel man, your argument. It, it, you're buying, you're buying $440 million of CapEx <laughs> below backing. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. What I meant was like, you might get, you might get more upside on a different bet. It's, oh, sure. In terms of like, <laughs> from my own point of view, like when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, like 
because people go to the the total the market cap and i'm like like dj and spartan posted about it and he's like oh ohm's trading below its market cap again and i'm like no it's the deposited ohm that is the important part like the what's in the lp or sitting in the dow right that's yeah. not that's not considered like you shouldn't consider that to be you know if you are thinking in that way like well, what's the actual market cap of the holders ohm and that's it's like i don't know I, it's like 300 or something where is it well, I and I tw- and then I tweeted, and he was He's like, being DJ and like, Spartan. Like, we love I him. think he knows, right? But he just likes to like, screw with people. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so they put the walls in, and all it has to do is be slightly above backing, and then people are buying buying ohm for more than it costs to make. So, so like if. If, if we were a company and we made a product and people were buying it for more than it costs us to make it, then, then like, that's the greatest company in the world, right? Because it can all be automated away. Yeah. Not investment advice, obviously. Ohm can go to zero. To only put on what you can afford yeah. to lose if you're thinking about, you know, getting into DeFi. But, yes, the... It's a bit, it's come up a bit. It was like 24 and now it's like 27. I think there's like a lot of moon boys who are talking about (laughs) the moving average. Well, I think what people are doing is, again, no one's ever done this. So, you know, if you, if you pull them up on a chart and, you know, you have to understand that you're looking at market cap, you're not looking at price. But if you do look at price, I mean, it, it's been violent in the last since since Zeus released the paper. It's it's been pretty violent. It's been up and down and up and down. You know, I think like we retested thirty, we failed, we came back down. But the the point of it isn't. I'll put it to you this way: the volatility you're seeing is is the market trying to figure out what do we do with this information now, right? Yeah. But this is going to change because Ohm is going to be set within a range that policy is willing to move on in a similar way to how, let's say, the Federal Reserve will say things and jawbone rates into reality, these things will be happening on a semi-automated basis. So mm. if you sell at certain times, then you will sell into massive slippage and you'll wreck yourself. <laughs> so right? so, so, so you, it's very much the market trying to understand that. But I think the bigger side effect of all of this is actually, and I think you said this maybe on Agora Spaces, it was today, maybe. I, I was listening. I always listen. I uh, saw you there. <laughs> but it was that it's going to bring the stability, which you need. You need to have stability if you're going to have a currency. Currencies need to be somewhat stable for people to adopt them. And so the stability is really the win, not necessarily you know, that it would maybe go up in price. Well, so there's so many wins. It's just like the more I think about it, the more <laughs> it's it's like the holy grail, right? Because <laughs> you trade above backing. The treasuries, the protocol thinks that Ohm is worth more than the treasury assets. And sure. so it's rational for the treasury to price it at some premium. As soon as it's above a premium, mm-hmm. people are paying more for Ohm via bonds than what it costs to produce them because like if you're thinking about it like that way but then we get rid of all this friggin disgusting lecherous leverage (laughs) 
in the system, which is if you're, you know, nine nining, getting liquidated causes massive price movements. But, you know, your borrowing rates against OM are going to go way up, right? Because the LPs who are providing that borrowing are actually, they have to manage the risk themselves, right? They have to be like, oh, am I willing to support this price? I never, I never nine nined. I will say that. I never nine nined. I never understood the allure of it. I always just farmed. I was just always a farmer. I either was in the unit, the, well, I guess it wasn't uni back then. It was sushi. I was, I was in the sushi LP and then I, you know, I loved all the phantom stuff. So I was in like, uh, beats and spirit swap and all those different places. And I never, you know, I, I, I mean now, I mean, I think like obviously Toke is, is probably one of the better places to be, but, um, you know, I, I always farmed and I saw people, they would get liquidated and they would get wrecked and I would be in the trading chat. We used to be called trading. Now I think it's called price discussion, but I used to be in their chat and I would be telling them, Hey guys, like, you know, <laughs> this is resistance. You may want to, you know, delever here, you know, calm down, not financial advice, but they just, you know, a lot of them wouldn't listen. A lot of them got hurt. And you know, there, there's yeah. real ramifications to that and what that does to the price of the protocol. And, um, mm. you really have to, Again, this is where it comes to having folks that are professionals that are mature in what they've seen in the market, and you have to know how to lose. And I've, I've listen, I've lost, I've lost for clients, I've lost for myself. Um, yeah. But you have to learn and come away with that. And you know, leverage was one of the things that was just so obviously bad. Uh, well, and it was value extractive on the protocol. The protocol wasn't doing the lending. No. So it was just these LPs. And then the treasury was like, well, we're going to protect the price like on the run down. So you don't have to worry about yeah. taking on they any took risk on all the risk yeah. as an LP. Yeah. So the protocol took on all the risk. They got all the upside. Now that will be much more difficult. So it'll get rid of the leverage which has these huge price impact and then you get price discovery on the way up as well right so if there's a lot of buying pressure to punch through the wall you know the the price goes into discovery then right yeah so, I, I remember zeus got a lot of shit because uh people wanted to be able to vote that were in rari he was like no no and, and i agree with that i think that was a i think that was a call he made that that was Really, it should have been more of like a warning shot for others that that were that were nine nining because you know the music was playing and they were dancing. But you know he's literally telling you the guy that <laughs> you told this story where it was like <laughs> it traded. He's like, no, it's too much premium at whitelist. <laughs> you know, like at and that was like nothing compared uh, to what yeah. it was. Right? And and it's just you know he's telling you this is not good and people are doing it anyway. You know, you, you well, I mean, it's like, yeah, like you can't expect a founder to get out and be like, stop buying my token. You're <laughs> buying it. Like, I mean, you, you just can't do that. I mean, right. So you just have to kind of sit there and watch, right? You like, try to warn people, as, yeah. as things get crazier and crazier. So maybe we can, I don't know. I'm like so bullish on home. The stability is the, like the biggest thing, right? Because, now, the hardest thing to get DAOs yeah. to have OM in their treasury was like, well, look at this yeah. price chart, yeah. guys. Like, we can't, that's not a good asset for us to, you know, store our value in. Like, and it's not a good LP. It goes all over the place, right? So if you do have it, um, you know, it, it, with more stability, it becomes much more 
uh, appealing mm-hmm. to be that asset. Right. So, um, and then once that gets Lindy, then people are like, oh, why wouldn't I keep some of my wealth in home? You know, makes sense. Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize though is um, I think this is interesting. So, Ohm obviously on a chart has been rough. Okay, um, you have your rebases though. Right? If you farmed, if you did other things with it, you know, took away that sting, but. I think what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, they, they have short memory. They they remember that big number, right? They remember big number, big big number, right? If you look at price right now, I think we're, I mean, as of recording, we're at twenty seven and change. We on a chart, I'm just looking here. We really haven't moved much since March. Well, even earlier, really, like beginning of March. So, like, if you look at the beginning of March. Like, like maybe a week after the beginning of March, and you think about what DeFi was doing and you know, things were up and down and you know what's going on with Bitcoin and everything like that. After that kind of initial drawdown happened, we really haven't moved much. And you know we've been up, we've been down, but if you bought in the beginning of March with rebases, you're probably up a decent amount. And I think that what happened is market participants kind of figured out, okay, so we're around backing, we're below backing, like we're buying a discounted asset. Yeah. That's it. You're buying a house for less than it's worth. Okay. You know, that's kind of how it goes. So at the end of the day, I think that stability will be more prominent, especially with walls. Um, I've been a little critical about 120 days. I would have loved to see maybe like, I don't know, like 60 or 90 days just because I think 120 is a lot. But I don't think it'll start there, right? So yeah. people are like, oh, it will start. Well, they no. might just say, they'll probably just pick a number that is like slightly above backing. Yeah. And I, and I don't have any information. This is speculation. But you would pick a number slightly above backing and then you would say, start the start the process yeah, start the yeah, clock right, and, so. and i think we just start you know defending price uh through through treasury action and I, honestly i mean i think if you know i think everything that's done here is done methodically and slowly and then when it's time and things are acting they say oh that's why it took time because they had to get it right i think we're going to end up in a situation where people are going to be very pleased with the policy decisions I feel really good about it. As far as the, you know, the Dow like slimming down and things like that and focusing on full timers, everybody has to be on message. It doesn't matter who you are in the Dow, you have to understand what's going on in the Dow and you have to understand the vision and direction of the Dow. And if you don't, if you don't understand it, then what's going to happen is you're going to bleed negative or wrong information into other parts where you might influence people. So it's very important when you're lean that everybody is marching to the same beat. And so I think that with a leaner DAO, I mean, hey, if you're looking at this from an, uh, an investor perspective, right, I might look at this and say, okay, well, they have lower operating expenses now. That's good for me. Right. Less, less people less home. getting home and yep. maybe selling in. Maybe or selling. I mean, people, hey, you got to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, in the backdrop of everything that's going on right now, I think that it's going to be interesting to see Olympus have the potential to be kind of like a shining city on the hill. I mentioned mm-hmm. that that Olympus, I think I said this maybe like a couple months ago. Um, I said people are finding out when it used to be, you know, the high APYs everywhere, the Olympus was the cleanest shirt in, in a dirty laundry. It had its affairs in order, it has a giant treasury, and it had the lowest APY for a reason. 
people didn't realize that those big numbers were toxic. Well, I think that having a treasury and being able to defend price and having these kind of smart price action and kind of open market operations, if we can even call them that, is going to matter a lot in the backdrop of incredibly high inflation. What seems like a never-ending war or war of attrition in Ukraine, Mm -hmm. Um, a backdrop of a slowing macro economy, the Fed pumping the brakes on raising rates and stopping the liquidity, Um, lower earnings across the board for traditional finance markets, and supply chains that are consistently challenged and I mean, I think I saw a picture today of like hundreds and hundreds of boats docked outside of Shanghai. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. You saw that? I mean, everything is locked down. So what happens? Well, two to three weeks from now, all the just-in-time inventory is delayed indefinitely. You have the world slowing down that got drunk off of liquidity. Tokens and protocols that probably were not for this, you know, for, for, for a bit, you know, potential bear or just like a, just like a, sideways or crabbing market and then you have olympus that has this kind of plan for this and you know zeus seems like he is also slightly slightly tilted towards like it seems like he's prepping for something that olympus i think is designed for like i think we're gonna see this like very soon you could you could kind of like feel it right a little bit i don't know yeah i i well you can't you don't like you think you understand it and then Zeus just uncovers another like pulls the curtain off another like thing on the table and you're like oh <laughs> that's why he's doing that right like the UST like Luna saying they want to take ohm to back Luna it just you realize the need for an asset that isn't mm-hmm. correlated has like market interventions to be able to like have some stability and you you realize that people desperately want it right like ust desperately wants something with like a known downside and prospects of upside in a environment where inflation is like increasing right so and then if olympus gets this status as like an asset that you can use to back your chain stable coin or whatever right like you know ust takes it like you know Faye will put it in there protocol control value frax might have it as part of its fpi right you need an asset like this um in the system. i i almost look at this you know you're, you're you're saying these names and a lot of people like, you know we hear these names over and over again frax tribe right i look at it as Think of it as like you're you're a contractor, right? Or you know, for the government, or you're like an independent contractor, and you sell something, whatever it is, and like all the biggest countries in the world want to use your product. That's what's going on right now with Ohm. I'm gonna so I'll pull the curtain back. So I got wind of something that was going to happen. You know that some folks were interested in acquiring a lot of Ohm and doing like a little bit of a swap, and so. Go to the team, and I'm like, hey, <clears throat> hey guys, it seems like a great deal. You know, it seems like it's it's pretty good. Almost trading pretty well below uh, what was liquid backing at the time. Something that I'm I'm excited to kind of see us hopefully 
kind of walk away from those type of metrics because I think that, yeah. that there are better ways to measure what's going on. And so there was some conversation back and forth and, and you know, the answer ultimately was like, well, we, we really don't want to deal do a deal like that below backing, but you know, if you want to buy it above backing. And I, I was I was beside myself. I was like, what do, what do you mean? Why, why wouldn't anybody just go in the market and buy it? I don't understand this. And so I kind of thought about it for a while. And then, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm close to Apollo or anything like that, but like he'll take my call every now and then. He'll humor me. And he's great. I think Apollo is, is one of the most level headed guys I've met in, in DeFi. Um, he reminds me a lot of some of the folks that I worked with um, for years in TradFi that, that I really got along with. And, you know, I also, we, we talk about our life a little bit. He's, he's, he's great. And so I, I talked to him about it. I said, tell me why we wouldn't do this. And he explained to me and he said, we want to do these deals with Luna, with Frax. We want to be in the biggest, in the biggest markets with the biggest players because this is what makes Ohm achieve its goal. And I thought about that for a while. Now I get it. And I get it. It's it's always been the decentralized reserve, but like it doesn't become obvious until Doguan's knocking on your door looking for an asset that's got these properties, right? Right. Well, <laughs> well, it also you know it needs to be in the hands and in the treasuries of the folks that are ubiquitous to the current state of the DeFi economy, and yeah. that's how you get there. And but you don't do it by discounting you know, your product. And yeah. I think that was, that was a real interesting, I mean, that makes me think about other things, even in Jones that I would, I would want to apply a similar principle to just kind of knowing the value of what's going on and being able to share that value in a better way. Um, mm-hmm. I told Jason this, um, <laughs> this story. <laughs> and I also told him, you're a better marketer than he is. Because for a while, I was kind of like so-so on Ohm. And I said, I, I spoke with Mark, and he straightened me out. And uh, I told Jason, you're, you're, you're a much better marketer than he is. But he, he said, this is why you, sometimes you don't get it. And it's, it's, it's these kind of things that I'm, I know that marketing through education will be able to achieve which is just educating the people on the really like what is going on? What is the purpose? How are we going to get there step by step? And people in, I think, DeFi just have a very short memory. Everything is short-term bias, no long-term preference, but this is always going to be a long-term thing. This is not a short-term hold. Everything, and you can tell the projects that are like, no, there is a market fit for my product, and I'm just going to keep building. And that's like Frax. They pretty much do no marketing no. at all. No. And they've just sat there building this product. Yeah. Like it was trading at like less than a dollar, like in June or July last year, like, you know, yeah. eight months, seven months ago. And now it's like 35 bucks. Like, yeah. And it was like, if you just sat in the telegram and like, Sam, the founder, and Travis, the CTO, they're on there all the time. Like people will be mm-hmm. like, oh, I've got this dumb question. And then Sam will say the same answer that he said like the last 3,000 times he's answered the exact same question. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just sitting there. They're building this product. They know it's like really technically sound. But then there's other protocols which are just like all marketing all the time. And it's just like vapor. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And then, you know, even sometimes just, 
being the quiet one in the room and listening. I mean, you know, any any business, you should be listening more than you should be talking. I think um, because you can't really understand what people need unless you unless you listen. And so, I think one of the things that the community has told you know Olympus is that we we need to understand what's going on because this is complex. This is complicated. And so, you know, you've got guys like like Drew and Shreddy who are going to go out there and sit down with people and say, let me explain to you how this will work. You can ask me some questions. I'll answer them. But then we're going to continue to have this conversation over and over again with different things added through all these different treasury protocols and OIPs that are going on. So you can then understand the story. And then if you want to tell somebody else the story, you can, but that's not what's important. What's important is that you understand why people like Sam and people like Doe are interested in this. Yeah, right. Like, and like Fiat Dow, like Max, you know. I can't even begin to tell you like how <laughs> bullish I am on fact. I, I, I just, I, I, every day I think about, like, I <laughs> You can pick it up for eight cents right now. Really? It's eight cents? <laughs> like, oh my God. Eight cents, right? Like, and it's, like the market cap is like 13. I have an embarrassing amount of FTT in my like <laughs> secret wallet. Like I have like my public wallet where like people like just complain at me a lot, but then I have like yeah. my like secret operations wallet or I have an embarrassing amount of operation. FTT. <laughs> oh my God. Well, but like you got liquidity wizard from Tokamak, Max from Fiat Dale, Sam, Joey, they all want to be like involved with Ohm. They can all see the vision. And then people are like, oh, it's a scam. It's a Ponzi. It's like, come on guys. I have <laughs> every one of those. <laughs> Genesis Tokens, NFTs yeah. from FTT. I have every one of them. Oh, careful. There's like only 10 people with all of them. You have a your wallet. I suppose Maybe. it doesn't matter if there's just FTT in there. Um, I, I, I love that guy. I think he's incredible. Who, Max? Yeah. yeah he's he's, he's, he's he a genius. Gives me very like Sam, uh, early days of Sam Casmian, like very clear, very precise, very like high integrity like very um, softly spoken, but like killer, killer execution. If he came to me tomorrow and said, Notch, I need help building something, but I need you first to like sweep the floor. I'd be like, fine, show me the broom. (laughs) Let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll broom the floor for you. Yeah. Well, not financial advice guys. We're not here to tell you what, what tokens you should but, but you should buy? sweep your floors because that's you know disgusting if you don't <laughs> so let's talk we're nearly uh, <laughs> i could talk to you yeah, we've gone over actually <laughs> no we're already over but let's talk macro a bit and yeah. then um yep, and then yep. we can go from here so so macro today the fed is they're talking about like raising rates um, and that'll be the beginning of next month if it happens, right? But they've mm-hmm. started quantitative tightening, yep. which is billed as not the opposite of quantitative easing, but it effectively is, right? Because yeah. they start selling. Their... They're gonna they're gonna decrease their balance sheet is what they're gonna yeah. do, and then where that so money goes a... <laughs> is great question. Yeah. Money disappears. Yes. <laughs> Value Magic. disappears. Magic. Um. So so there's. In the macro market, there's like inflation, high inflation, probably a lot of it is to do with supply chains getting wrecked, but also like there's a lot of money printing. So there's more money about, which means that prices of things go up. 
Um, so do you think it is transitory or like, I, I mean, I get the feeling and I'm no expert, but like we are looking at like three, 4% inflation in the medium term. Um, but like, you know, that 8% number is a bit unreal in terms of like whether or not it's going to persist. I mean, so I'll give you a few metrics and then you tell me what you think. Yeah. So yesterday, Germany's producer price index was 30.9%, I think, which was the highest print since 1949. Which is means they have high production or costs means of production the, are the, high? The, the costs of production of their things that they produce in Germany are yeah. 30% higher than, let's say, they thought you know, the number would be, I don't know, like eight or nine, like, let's say it should track inflation, it should be slightly higher. Mm -hmm. I mean, Europe is going to be more anyway, because uh, goods and services are more expensive there. But 30%. I mean, that's, we're talking post World War Two Germany here. Mm. Is that because of the war in Ukraine? Because of their dependence on on gas uh, from Russia, and also from yeah. other supply chain pressures. And now there's European Union pressure to, and I believe they said uh, just after the French election, which is, I love the timing, it's hilarious, uh, <laughs> that they're going to uh, ban Russian oil. Uh, I think there was something that said uh, Finland is going to stop uh, using the oil. So, so JP Morgan put out a note and said that if all that happens, oil's going to a buck 85. I'm sorry, $185 a barrel. I was like, what? That's so yeah. cheap. Yeah, no, no, 185 um, a barrel. So, That's so you, very high. Yeah, I mean, so so when you think about that, like, what what does that do to to the supply chain? And then the other thing as well is that when producers raise prices, they don't tend to decrease them. If they do, it's very small or very minimal, or they'll do it through promotions. But they tend to keep mm -hmm. their pricing strength. Right? People are going to have to get used to smaller portions, smaller amounts, less for more until wages overcome that. But at the same time. You know, the other point I was going to make is that, you know, there was just recently uh, today, I think there were, I think uh, Russia has kind of encircled and, and, and done a lot of damage in Ukraine and looks like they've got Mariupol. Who knows what that means? Does that mean that Putin is going to kind of wash his hands and say, okay, we're done and then pull out? What does that do to markets? Right, that would probably be a bullish catalyst, right? Because war is over. We don't like war. War is not good. Uh, well, but like, can Europe can Europe operate without Russian oil? Is that the well, question? Well, I mean, I don't think that <laughs> the answer can, no. right? But well, so what? So say it does. There's some treaty signed tomorrow. Russia, and I'm not like getting into the morality of it. Just like this, just the pure economics might be, economics of might it, be yeah. something. Yeah, like yeah. the. Russia gets like half the country and Ukraine says, oh, we'll never join NATO. Everyone's, everyone's, well, no one's happy, <laughs> right? But like um, the war is over. But People stop Europe dying. Can't, what, what's Europe do then? Like they have to, they, well, they have to keep getting the, the oil and gas. So they're like, fine, we won't sanction oil and gas. We'll get that back in, but we're still going to sanction you with this other crap. I think right, like this, these all these other like yeah. sanctions and then secondary sanctions on like people who aren't sanctioning them. I mean, I think that they would be putting themselves into a deep recession. I, I think that 
um, at some point, they, there is, has to be a realization that they're going to starve their own people out if they do that. I mean, there's a huge food crisis that's about to hit the world. Um, except the problem is that the countries that are of um, lower GDP are unable to be reflexive in being able to stockpile. You know, the United States, people are not going to starve. But, you know, you think about countries like uh, Egypt, countries in Africa, they get most of their grain from, from Russia. And um, if you don't have it in Russia and the price of methane, which is needed in fertilizer, is up extraordinarily across the world, and we don't have vertically integrated supply chains, so people don't have their own fertilizer in, you know, farmers don't make their own fertilizer because it's inefficient for them to do so from a capital s standpoint. The fertilizer is still being made. It is. Is that right? It, it, so it is. So it's sitting there. It's just that Europeans can't buy it or, right. Right. or it can't be shipped out of Russia. Is and so what ends up happening is that basically Russian farmers are not going to plant a full harvest. And then you have the rest of the world that's unable to afford certain so crops. So Russia's not going to even grow the crops because there's no market the, for the, them The wheat it. planting season is right now. And if it doesn't happen right now, then we have a problem. But are they not going to do it because there's no market for them to sell into? Or Yeah, they, they, they can't export it. Um, there's no way for them to consume it all. You so know, it'd be a waste for them. It, and it would be a waste. And because of the way that farming is done with government subsidies in most of the world, especially America, uh, for single sharecropping versus multi, people don't have uh, an incentive to uh, do kind of multi uh, crop farms. And, you know, why are we talking mm -hmm. about farming in crypto? Well, because the macro affects crypto. The two things I would encourage everybody to look at just to try and get a sense of what Layer zero is energy and food, right? <laughs> yeah, but, he, but I would also say the dollar, right? Like if you want to look at markets, mm -hmm. just look at the dollar and look at the bond markets, right? If the dollar is strengthening and the yields are going up, the markets have to react to that one way or the other. Like markets cannot like, it, it, things that are that are negative catalysts can't can't positively impact markets forever. You know, bad news eventually is bad news. And so, if you look at where the Dixie is, which is the dollar index, or if you take a look at uh, you know the ten year or the two year or even the three and eighteen month, you know they're not all pointing you know into the ground, but. You know, these, these, these are the, are the treasury you have to look at. yields, right? Yeah, exactly. US which, which is like you you buy U.S. government debt, and they give you this token, which is which is like you can trade trade it in to, to, for dollars plus a small percentage, right? You know, and and to tie all this back to crypto, you know, this is why we've seen the market up and down, and um, the market is trying to find its direction. It's making you know lower highs. <laughs> and it's making a little, uh, frankly, it's making higher lows also in Bitcoin. So you've got higher lows and lower highs. So eventually we're going to get to a point where this triangle starts to collapse into itself and it has to pick a side up or down. I think it'll trend wherever the macro is going. But this is where, again, if you're an OMI and you have a guy like Zeus saying, yeah, we, we can defend pricing and we can determine pricing. I mean, that's pretty effing important in a macro that looks challenged. There's no other person sitting there with like four hundred and fifty million dollars with the only objective of 
doing things positive for yep. this particular protocol, right? And you It'd can't like- get that kind of leverage against Dome. You can't buy that kind of leverage against Dome. There's nowhere where you can flash loan like that against Dome. Like it, it's, mm. I'm telling you that this is like you. You and I spoke about this when I had read the paper and I had concerns and you, again, you set me straight. These are the kind of things that you look at them and you say, okay, you've got this challenged macro and then you have something that is literally trying to be a reserve currency. It's not trying to be a moon boy. It's not trying to, you know, be Shiba Inu 6 or something stupid. It it has a very clear set objective and a way to get there. Mm -hmm. And it's got the pricing power, I think, to help minimize that volatility, which ultimately will be... I think positive for for Omis. You know, we'll obviously we'll see what happens, but you know, I, the market tends to believe it because we've seen stability since that paper got announced, which is so, interesting. Yeah, right. Because there's any other whale, they're just going to sit on the sidelines and sort of scoop up ETH at like whenever they think it's going to be at the lowest price. Yeah. Right? They're not going to enter the market with an objective other than sort of maximizing their own wealth, right? Yeah. Like why would, why you, would you why would you PVP a four hundred and fifty million dollar treasury? <laughs> like- well and then internal bonds, right, when they come in, then it's even more crazy because you can be assured that, you know, 80% of the supply isn't on the market. So you say, well, we'll just put a wall and you literally, there's nothing you can do to bust through the wall for five years until those tokens unlock, right? So, and then it becomes, whoa, like that changes the game again. Right? Yeah, now, and now we've planned our future cash flow effectively for five years. <laughs> it's crazy. And so we can uh, literally operate with complete certainty for five years. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, why, why Why did I join DeFi? Well, <laughs> you can't do this around <laughs> around the banking system. They don't have that kind of abilities. They, they well, or they here. rug you, right? Like you take all these longs on... Um, what was that element? It was like aluminium or something. Uh, and then that smelter had just like shorted the shit out of it on yeah, Lloyd's yeah. of London. And then they were like, oh, we're, we're just not going to enforce it, you know? Because yeah. then the smelter would go bankrupt. So we just won't do it. And it's like, okay, yeah. you just won't do it? Like, yeah. you've got these contracts and you're just not. Not paying the yeah. The one thing about a smart contract is that it doesn't care who you are. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's gonna, right. Yeah. It's going to execute. So, so I was listening to Zoo and Hasu on Uncommon Core. I don't know if you listen to it. If you don't, you should. They did a macro episode recently, and then Zoo, who's like Three Arrows Capital, like famous trader investor, sure. he, he was saying that he actually thinks in the medium term that there are like so many productivity gains that you don't see like much inflation. And then he gave this example of like in Japan now, you have like a ramen restaurant and you'll order through like an app and then some guy will like come and take your plates, but he'll be the same guy who's making your ramen. And then two guys work 12 hour shifts like, six days a week or whatever and then you've got like your ramen shop and that's all that's like it that's the whole operation and then you've got this like ramen shop running and then like all these different ways that technology can come in and 
create productivity gains, which were socially unacceptable while we had low inflation, right? You don't want to take like robots taking someone's jobs. You've got these like self checkouts at like the grocery stores, which are just like sort of super obvious ways. There's sort of still heaps of productivity. I think like DeFi, if we can sort of take away all the unproductive parts of banking uh, and make the like Profit margins much smaller. That's like huge dividends in productivity. But do you, so do you think like, you think short term there's supply chain inflation causing inflation and that's probably going to be like near to medium term. But what do you think happens kind of medium term? Like the war calms down eventually, you get the supply chains back, inflation comes down a bit. I think the problem is that I don't think the supply chain is coming back for a while. And I think the reason for that is because it's so difficult for the, the way that the world is set up. I don't know if I should say this story. I, I think it's anonymous enough that it should be fine. So right, th- th- right. There's a, a college that does this. And basically what they do is they go around and they have everybody in the class go and kind of they're each representing a part in the supply chain. And what they do is they're each given a number to say, okay, like rely on the person in front of you to make a certain amount of production so that you can then have the materials to do what you do and so on and so forth. And they do this with a class of, let's say, 20 or 30 people. And they make up numbers, whatever, that everybody knows what the number was. But then they have to then, somebody has to change a number, I think it's 10 or 12% higher or lower, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to the end of how everybody was affected by that, you get some incredibly out of this world number where just everybody either overshot or undershot their supply. That's crazy. There's parts that like you have way too much of, but not the ones you need to get this done. It's, it's kind of funny because it's actually like Tesla's entire way that they're able to be successful right now is just simply because they're so well integrated and in, in, in their supply chain. Do you think that was on purpose? I mean, it must've been obviously. It was, I think it was on purpose because he he does I, I don't think he trusts other people to do the stuff that he needs and so because of his own kind of control complex he was yeah. wildly successful because of it he was right um in being that way but also i mean i am not going to discount like the richest man in the world and his other motives but yeah. um clearly he's a smart guy but i i think that the the problem is that these 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 shifts take a while to correct and COVID caused such a massive shift. And even now what we're seeing in Shanghai, you know, there are people out there that are saying, well, this, this is purposeful, that they're doing this to shift and mess around with supply chains to try and, you know, give China some leverage to um, kind of go into deals and negotiations, kind of holding all the cards when it comes to advanced manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not being conspiratorial, then it's still really bad that they shut down one of the biggest ports in the world for a week. Going on two weeks, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah, these are the kind of things that we're dealing with. And unless and until there's massive change, as in that major companies decide to go vertically integrated instead of doing this just-in-time globalization stuff that's happened for the last 20, 30 years, then we're going to continue to see these disruptions. Mm. Um, funny story, a, a buddy of mine moved to Puerto Rico. Can't find a mouse on the whole island. <laughs> can't, can't get a computer mouse yeah <laughs> can't get one i said That's why don't you problem. let me overnight it to like a p.o box because he's a non i'm like let me just overnight it to a p.o box or something like just tell me just just pay me the shipping or something i'll i'll just get it from amazon and overnight it to you it's crazy can't that get anything crazy yeah how wild 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, I suppose the question that everyone <laughs> listening to this is wondering. If and, anybody's like, still listening after an hour and a half. If anybody's listening <laughs> after an hour and a half. I mean, the question is, like, you think in crypto follows macro, at least to some extent. Yeah. But there are, like, continuing to be, like, large institutions who are, like, coming in and sort of, they're like, oh, well, I need some ETH. Well, I, I think the game the game is going to be, does the Fed continue to raise rates if the macro looks poor? And well, I'm the guessing The macro that, does look poor. Yeah. So, so, I mean, my personal opinion on this, and again, this is not advice, but my opinion is a lot of this is kind of trying to boil the frog, you know, and, and seeing what temperature they can kind of get away with if they can boil the frog while it's in the pot or not, or it's going to drop out. And I do think that at some point there's going to be enough political pressure. I mean, we have midterms in the U S coming up uh, in November, but the election election season is happening this summer. So, I mean, you're, you're a couple months away from a ton of political pressure. And I think that the fed is going to be under a lot of pressure from politicians to uh, especially if inflation is not in control and the market is is maybe not doing so hot, to kind of ease off a bit and and just kind of maybe be a little more a little less hawkish on things. And I think that it's delicate. Yeah, it's a really delicate act, and it's very difficult to to kind of guess. But I still think that's the best case scenario. So you think they huff and puff about raising rates? Maybe they raise it once the market reacts how they want it to, which is, you know big impact and then i think we saw some today right but yeah, I, I think i think if they if they just signal to the markets that they're willing to be more flexible on how long it'll take them to do those raises that they could say well we're committed to raising rates but we're also committed to doing it on a time frame that's positive for the economy like if they start to say those kind of dovish comments i think the market will take that as okay they're not just going to dump on us they're going to kind of ease into this stagflation well, you know, look, let the economy kind of recover a little bit from some of the supply chain stuff, have a somewhat accommodative Fed, but kind of like as the supervisory parent. I mean, look, this is all, yeah, I think, the best case. But yeah. if that happens, I think we see some nice, sustained, positive pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that'd be the best case scenario because this is, this is a really hard time in the world. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, history doesn't, repeat but it rhymes and you know when you have countries that have incredibly high inflation if you think it's bad here go to a third world country you know what what happens when people can't eat you know people start to get really mad about that and so Mm. you know you have to keep everybody stable that's what (laughs) gets rid of governments right i think the dems are going to have a pretty hard time in the midterms over there as their numbers look terrible for for Mm. for mids um obviously no one's going to predict four years out you know or do the presidential election but it definitely looks like it's going to be either split or probably favoring uh republicans which means that you'll probably see more fiscal um kind of easing accommodative policies well i mean that's because the stronger pressure is don't margin call my house <laughs> right then oh inflation's bad yeah. inflation's bad you know okay whatever like people can live with yeah. it but you as soon as like the bank starts foreclosing on houses that's mm. like the strongest political pressure you will see 
<laughs> and single issue voters, right? I, I think it was like three hundred million dollars in home equity debt that's been taken since the last crash, mm-hmm. um, and it's all pretty much happened, obviously, in the last few years. That's a lot of money into the economy that's been put in by consumers. So, I mean, people yeah. are spending. You know, there are people who are pricing flexible right now, but. You know, it will get to a point where that's not going to happen, and so they really need to kind of walk this very tight rope. It's going to be interesting to watch, but uh, hedge accordingly, right? <laughs> right. That's the other pressure on inflation. Prices go up until people say no. I will yeah. not pay. Well, this I is why we need drive. Volt and we need FPI, not, right? You know, this is why we need Volt and FPI. It's just a better dollar, <laughs> right? Like, um, I'm very but, excited about them both, and, well, and yeah. like what we do with them in our treasury as well. So, yeah, we have to see. Well, I think the biggest use case is actually for protocols because yeah. it, it's right. you just you can just put it in your treasury and you don't have to worry about yield farming anymore. It's just you're mm-hmm. you're you're there, you know, do what you want, and mm-hmm. then if you pay people who work in DeFi with those tokens, then they don't have to worry about that. So this is a really interesting social. Um, kind of piece. I think. I think it would be great to see how it plays out. I'm very excited to, for for um, for the teams. I know tomorrow's Volt, and uh, it's pretty exciting. So it should be interesting. Yeah. Definitely bullish Volt. Um, all right, Omis, we might leave it there. Notch, it's been my pleasure to chat to you. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this conversation. Pleasure is mine. Um, and um, yeah, I'll be no doubt seeing you about. And um, 